Bayheim's Army, what a day yesterday was. We were on the air basically doing our funky version of play-by-play. We couldn't do play-by-play of the game as it was happening, so we had to be creative in, in how we do that, but we were just watching the game. They scheduled the game for 4 o'clock, and I'm like, well, there's the show, and it turned out to be a hell of a lot of fun because we rode the ups and the downs and watched the game. It timed out perfectly. We had a little bit of overtime. I texted Paulie Sibilia during the show, wanted an executive decision. I said, listen, this thing might go just a little bit past our allotted time, but we got to stay on for the people. we got to let them know what's happening. So we got a little on-the-block overtime yesterday, and we got an Elam ending, and Syracuse Bayheim's Army pulled it off. We're going to talk to head coach Ryan Blackwell about that game, preview their next matchup, not till Saturday. You had to wait 118 days in between Cuse basketball when they beat North Carolina in the ACC tournament till yesterday. You only have to wait four days in between games now. Sideline Cancer is their next opponent, and it's a team that, yes, has a low seed, and technically their win yesterday over the sixth seed was an upset. But as Ryan Blackwell will tell you, it seems like Sideline Cancer gets misseeded every year. So another tough matchup in his eyes coming up. Eric Dievendorf goes off, as we'll discuss here shortly, and uh, everything you need to know about life in the bubble. From Ryan Blackwell, the head coach of Bayheim's Army, he's going to join us at 5 o'clock today. Talk to him before the show. We'll play back that chat for you coming up later. Lots of news in the Where We At discussion and sports and coronavirus, including, listen, I'm glad all these sports are coming back, but if the NHL schedule goes the way that this thing appears that it could and is slotted to, Oh, good Lord, this is just going to be a hockey fan stream, the way this thing is playing out. So we will get into that, some encouraging news from the world of college football and some not-so-encouraging news from the world of college football as that goes. A decision being made today. Now, as uh, this moment, I have not seen anything official from the Ivy League, but it is anticipated by many college football insiders that the Ivy League is going to make it official today that they're going to move fall sports, which would include football, to the spring. That's not official yet. That's the anticipation. That's what a lot of insiders are reporting. I've seen Bruce Feldman say that, Nicole Arbach say that, uh, Brett McMurphy, a lot of uh, real tapped-in college football insiders, coaches have anticipated that. The ripple effect from that is certainly going to be felt across college football, but in particular for Syracuse in particular for the game, they're supposed to open up the new Carrier Dome. Now, yes, Colgate is not in the Ivy League. They're in the Patriot League, but hence the ripple effect we'll get into. So we'll discuss that. Yeah, every day is the anniversary of something. And in this, uh, thankfully, we haven't had to do this as much because sports have been coming back. But nostalgia became big through coronavirus when sports were shut down, particularly the last dance and how much discussion we had about that looking back and Those this day in sports things that you see every day became a little bit more significant based on the discussions we had on them. And you go back to even when they had the watch party for the national championship game, how big of an event that was for Syracuse fans to get together, watch the game essentially with the 2003 team on Facebook Live, right on Zoom. That was great. 
Some things are more significant than others. Something that came up today, and a significant anniversary of something that came up today, is what we'll get into during hot takes. Do I have it here for you? I can give you a little sneak peek of what that is. I don't have the audio right here. I thought I did, but uh, it was, it was how about this? I'll, I'll tease it this way. It was a big decision. I think you know what I'm saying. All that to come, but we got to start with Bayheim's army. We got to start with uh, first of all the collective feeling of what that was, because yesterday was so unique. We were right in the in the thick of it, watching the game, riding the ups and downs. I said it then. I'll, I'll say it again now that we've had time to take a breath and look at it. It just felt good to be immersed in that connective fabric and that connective feeling again. Sports have come back, but you can't really relate to NASCAR in that local connective fabric sense. There's a lot of NASCAR fans here. I'm sure you enjoy watching NASCAR, and social media kind of can connect anybody when certain things come back, but it's not a local connective fabric, right? It's different when you're watching your team or feel connected to what you're watching. That's the the angle of sports, and when sports gets taken away from you, that community feeling that comes with it, Think of that last feeling when Syracuse is beating North Carolina, the momentum that they had built, and then everything shuts down. One of the frustrations from that was not only, oh, here we go into a pandemic, and that felt real. That team was starting to roll. Right? That team could have done some damage in that ACC tournament. It's certainly far down the list of priorities at the time, but like, oh, come on, right? And golf has come back, and we've watched that, and... It, Premier League soccer and all these things that have come back, and it's like it didn't really feel like it was back until yesterday. Even some of the distractions that we had. I brought one up a moment ago, the the Facebook Live with the 2003 championship team. There have been moments that have taken our mind off of it, and there was a time early on when we really needed that uplift. Just the news was devastating what we were getting. It was unprecedented, and we had to turn to something. We had to turn to the thing that we distract ourselves from. And think of what we would use sports to uh, to distract ourselves from prior to March 11th, that infamous date now. Syracuse is playing North Carolina. President Trump addressed the nation for the first time that night about COVID-19. That's the night Tom Hanks announces that he and his wife had coronavirus. Like That's when the bleep got real about this thing. So through all these sports coming back, the last dance was great. The collective watch that we had with that, there were some Syracuse connections to that, which was cool, and we told those stories and we talked to those people, but it didn't really feel like it was back till yesterday. It kind of hit me as we were watching this. I'm like, this feels like sports is back now because that common bond that was there. Syracuse fans, and it's summer, and a lot of people are not in their usual work routines anyway, so it was a lot easier to kind of just watch the game wherever you were or listen to it with us right here on ESPN Radio Syracuse, not the coverage of the game, my uh, pseudo-coverage of the game, my, my own version of a watch party on the radio. Boy, that felt good. And what we saw was Eric Devendorf just go off once again on a team, his own team, full of guys that have been in the NBA, in the G League, have had a lot of success professionally. 
you know, that never quite happened for Devo. He played pro a little bit. He had his opportunities, but life took him in a different direction. He got into coaching, and Devo's story is so amazing. You think about how far somebody can come. You know, when Eric was here, he'd be the first person to tell you this. I'm not telling tales out of school by any stretch of the imagination. He has said these things on this show, and you know, his behavior certainly demonstrated that. But, you know, when Eric was here, not the most mature person in some ways, some off-the-court incidents he regrets, and somebody that really grew up before our very eyes, embraced this community, you know, started a family, became part of it as part of the coaching staff, and has just become a part of the fabric of Central New York, raising money for great causes and doing clothing drives. And when you think of Eric Devendorf now versus how you thought of Eric Devendorf, and people loved him when he played here because of that tenacity and that passion that he played with. He was the guy you love to have, but opponents love to hate. But just as a person, how he's evolved, right? But, man, you get him on that basketball court, any basketball court, and at 33 years old, one of the oldest players in the tournament, if anything, as I joked around with Ryan Blackwell a little bit, we were talking before the show, you'll hear the interview later on, I said, I may have to embrace this vegan thing. Devo's vegan, and if he's playing like that, and if he's in that good a shape, then... I don't know. I love my cheeseburgers, but I'll tell you what, if it's working for him, maybe it can work for Uncle Brent. But he's on that court on his own team with those level of players. The opponents that they're facing, I mean, the, the talent that has come into TBT the past few years speaks for itself with the million dollar prize, sometimes two million this year. It's one million. The level of exposure this year, just getting to play ESPN backing this thing in a snap of a finger. This has become legit. This has become big time. This has become something that people have embraced before the pandemic, even more now in the pandemic, as a sport that has come back and is demonstrating you can play through a pandemic if you do it right. So Devendorf goes off, scores 20 points, and this is what Bayheim's Army at its best can do. You naturally compare players to when they were here to where they are now. Some of them not so long ago. You see Malachi Richardson hitting three-pointers. Ten of his 15 points yesterday came from the free-throw line. That is still mind-boggling that a Syracuse-related team was 28 of 32 from the free-throw line. Every time that happens, you have to grab the highlighter and say, look at this, because hashtag free-throws matter, of course. But Malachi hitting threes... That was only a couple years ago. To see where Dante Green has come in 12 years since he left, spending one season at Syracuse, first-round pick. As he noted yesterday, but he didn't have to remind, or I wouldn't have to remind, if you say the name, uh, listen, he was not the best defender in his one year here at Syracuse. He was the best defender on the floor yesterday and had a hell of a task guarding... Isaac Haas, the seven foot two, almost seven foot three human tree on the court, the tallest player in the tournament. Ironically enough, not the tallest player that Dante Green's ever somewhat faced up with. He, remember, he was teammates with Yao Ming at one point, all seven foot six of him. But Dante Green has a great defensive performance, comes into the press conference after, what does he say? He says, I hope Coach Beheim's proud of me. Even now, 12 years later, he spent a year here. And by the way, as I kind of noted yesterday as we were 
weaving in and out of coverage of the game. Look, Dante Green, some players have left, and you kind of say, good luck to you. That didn't go over well initially. That was one that was looked at with a bit of a side eye from a lot of fans for whatever reasons. Some guys leave early, and it's like, hey, more power to you, kid. But in 2008, it was still kind of a touchy thing, that run of players that were starting to do this one, two years. And that came just five years after Carmelo Anthony, the most famous example of a one-and-done player, and there was a huge push then, right? There was a a smidge of a belief that he could come back, right? People made T-shirts and parody songs about that. And here we are in 2020, and now it's just normal. So even the guys that when you look back on were not the four-year, you know, Jerry McNamara legend types, just put on a Syracuse uniform, that loyalty they feel to Bayheim, to the program, to the fans, it's something that never leaves them. Everybody on that roster scored yesterday, so it was, and it's eight guys. Will Raymond, let's not uh, leave him out of that, not the Syracuse guy, the lone non-Syracuse player on the roster, but how about that? He steps in, he's been on the roster for five minutes, and, and finds a way to contribute. So they move on. Sideline cancer is their next opponent. We'll get more of a X's and O's perspective on that and some things that Coach Blackwell is starting to look at there later in the show. But, boy, it just felt good to be watching a sport that you truly felt you could connect with yesterday. Not that I wasn't happy to see all those other sports come back and in certainly anticipating some of the others, but there's nothing like that connective fabric of a sport that you feel like you're part of. Ryan Blackwell, head coach of Bayheim's Army and locally here at Liverpool High School, of course the former Orangeman before the show. Bayheim's Army is actually practicing as we speak out in Columbus, but uh, got a chance to catch up with Ryan a little bit before we went on the air today. Let's take a look. Big one yesterday. One of uh, four victories that you want to achieve while you're there in Columbus. Uh, a close game against men of Mackey. And look, I think I want to recap the game with you, but I think Eric Devendorf said it best on the court after the game. And we saw it yesterday. These games are going to be a grind. And yesterday, I think, showed that uh, what could be ahead for you in these next few games. Yeah, it's going to be a grind. You want to get that first one, which we did. And under the circumstances with you know guys being off and not really playing a lot of basketball the last three, four months, you don't know what you're going to get. But these guys are professionals. You know, like Eric, he doesn't even play basketball anymore, and he stays in great shape. So, you know, these guys are going to scrap and um because there's a lot of money at stake, and these guys are professionals and they're competitors. That's what they do. I got to say, Ryan, I have always scoffed at the vegan diet. But if Eric Dietendorf's playing like that on the vegan diet, I might have to go down that road. <laughs> it's working for him, man. He is what a warrior this guy is. He's playing against and with first-round draft picks, G League guys, international players, and he's always the best player on the court in this thing. Why does Eric Dietendorf thrive in this setting so much? He is a warrior. His, his mentality, his approach, he's you know, changed his life. He's matured so much. Um, I've been around him obviously for the last five years coaching him and even before that and he stays in the gym you know when he coached at Syracuse uh, he would play with the guys he would work out he works out like he's going back overseas for a job um, so it's a testament to him to his approach and his his life changing um, you know methods and uh, he just one of those guys just never afraid he's never afraid of the big moment he's never afraid of a shot 
Um, a lot of courage, a lot of heart, and you got to give a lot of credit. We love them. You could tell, Ryan, that they really defer to him on that team, and, and that's always a, a tricky thing, especially without the usual practices and time ahead of the tournament that you did. You guys did Zoom calls and things, certainly, but this was a di- different mm-hmm. circumstance. But one thing that comes apparent very quickly is that they know whose team this is, right? Well, he's the heart and soul in the engine, and uh, we look to him to, to be our leader, um, and he does that. And the good thing is we, you know, we were working out uh, myself and John Gillen and Eric Demetrius Nichols and Trish because they're all residing in Syracuse. So we got, even though we didn't have practice as a team, we did a lot of workouts together for a couple of weeks leading up to coming to Columbus. So, you know, these guys are ready and in shape and they know that Eric is always in the gym and they know what he's going to bring. So they trust him. Ryan, what were things like in that game yesterday versus maybe what you you thought they would be? You always have to be ready to to adapt and and just kind of go with the flow in the game. But given the short practices you had, the circumstance you're in in the bubble, you must have had, uh, your mind must have been going a million miles an hour before that game, wondering how it would turn out. So what was it like first tip versus what was it like after the game and, and how it played out? We, you know, we got we got a ten point lead, and I thought our offense was going pretty good. You know, I kind of told Dante, especially we're going to have to compete with Haas. He's seven two, three hundred pounds. He's a large person, the biggest person in this tournament, one of the largest people anybody's going to have to go up against. So that was a task that we had to deal with. And Dante being a five, a little bit undersized, you know, we were going to have to rebound and play defense by committee. And I thought, you know, offensively, um, all of our guys can shoot. They're all interchangeable, especially on offense. We can shred the floor. And uh, no game's ever going to be the same quarter by quarter. So as a coach, I always have to be ready to adjust and adapt to that, and we do as a team as well. So we did a pretty good job. We got a 10-point lead at half, and then they came back and you know kept it close like we figured all games in this tournament are going to be. But we made the plays we needed to down the stretch. So as long as we continue to do, you know, play together offensively as a team and as a unit, and uh, make the extra pass, and the rebound as a committee and play defense will be good. And coach, anytime a Syracuse-related squad goes twenty-eight of thirty-two from their free throw line, you got you got to grab a highlighter and say, "Look at that." Yeah, we were actually laughing about that yesterday. I showed it during the press conference to Dante, and he was really <laughs> shocked. Um, twenty-eight of thirty-two is really good. You're not going to lose a lot of games when you make free throws like that, and you take care of the ball and. Um, that's a good sign for us going forward because we were only we were four of twenty two or four of twenty one from three. Didn't shoot the ball well, but you know as long as we can mix it up and not rely on threes and attack the basket, uh, it'll be a positive sign. Bayheim's Army head coach Ryan Blackwell is our guest here on ESPN Radio Syracuse. They'll take the court again on Saturday four o'clock against Sideline Cancer. We'll preview that matchup here shortly. But you mentioned Dante Green, coach and. I think it's natural that when you see these players in this tournament, you compare them with what they were like at Syracuse versus where they are now. And Dante Green, admittedly, not the best defender when he was here at Syracuse, but he did a terrific job defensively yesterday on Haas, as you mentioned. But it really stood out to me what he said after the game and that he he hopes he made Coach Beheim proud. It's interesting how all these years later they still want to make Coach proud. Yeah, I think he's matured a lot, as all these guys will. Um, I went through that process, you know, going from college to a pro and to where I am now. But the game and my mentality is totally different. So he's definitely matured. And he said it to us, to his credit, when uh, our Zoom calls a couple weeks ago before we got here, that he wanted to do little things first, play defense, rebound, hustle, and be kind of a blue-collar guy first and then score. 
And even though he jacked up eight threes, which I was a little disappointed in, uh, he needs to take the ball to hold and mix up a little bit more. But he's uh, he's going to be one of those guys we're going to rely on. And he, he has to do those little things because we're not very big and we have to do everything by committee. Speaking of committee, everybody scored uh, on that roster yesterday. And as you look around, you had to adjust with Tyler Lydon and Chris McCullough having to step out, and Will Raymond comes in late, and you've got this ever-evolving roster. Tell me what kind of team you have here and, and what that team's going to have to do to win three more games. Yeah, just like I said, I think it's, we have to do it together. We don't have to have the, the biggest team, but we have to play with a lot of heart. and We have to be aggressive. Um, rebound by a committee, especially when we're playing in the zone. The guards, especially guys like John Gillen, Devendorf, are going to have to stay around the you know the free throw line area and grab rebounds, go for loose balls, and take charges. That's what it's going to take because it's successful teams like the Golden Eagles, the Marquette team, the overseas league, Carmen's crew. That's how they've won and they've had a lot of success in these tournaments. So you know that formula works. You've got sideline cancer coming up next. They pulled a big upset yesterday, 22 seed knocking off a six. Just goes to show you anything can happen in TBT. As you start to break down this matchup, and I'm sure you watched some of it yesterday, what kind of team are you facing on Saturday? Well, they're always uh, you know, underseeded. I think they're always a low seed, but they win. They have a lot of success. They play hard. They're scrappy, just like most of the teams are. Um, they're without their big guy, Diamond Stone, uh, the guy from Maryland, former first-round pick. He tore his, or partially tore his Achilles, I believe. So they're a little minute on size. Um, obviously, again, we're not going to have to deal with someone like Haas. So as long as we play zone and do it together, we may have some good guard play, and they're going to really play hard and scrappy and they're athletic. But, again, it's about us, what we do. If we take care of business, business on, our, on our end, on both ends of the floor, we should be fine. And we'll go in and we'll scout, we'll watch some more film, and we'll you know have three days of practice before we play them on Saturday. Ryan, knock on wood, things seem to be going well. Life in the bubble here, a very unique circumstance. But TBT found a way, and it was one of the first sports to come back in this circumstance. You know, the NBA is going to do this over a longer period of time, starting later this month. But they, in, in the eyes of the sports world, are really on Columbus right now to see how this is going. And it seems like TBT has handled this as well as can be in these circumstances. What has life been like in the bubble for you? Yeah, hats off to TBT. They've done a tremendous job of getting this thing off the ground um, with everything that's going on in the world and in the country. And uh, it's been, it's been unique. We've had to test every day. Um, every morning we have to test. We have to, they send us a text and we have to fill out you know, a survey about how we're feeling and certain are we, do we have symptoms and uh, they feed us every day. So we've done a good job of making sure we're, we're, we're fed, but we have to have masks wherever we walk around in the hotel outside of our room. Um, and then the practice courts are in the you know convention center, and uh, they've done a good job. Like I said, it, it's it's not ideal, but for us to be able to do something that we love to do, uh, for basketball to be back on uh, on a national spotlight, and for us to be enjoying our passion and our livelihood, uh, you know, we'll take it. Coach, it was great to catch up today. I hope to uh, certainly continue to take you guys through the tournament here. Best of luck on Saturday, and uh, we'll catch up again soon. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for having me.